Hello, welcome to the Poet Delayed Podcast. My name is Scott Edgar. I'm the host. Um, I appreciate, as always, everybody who, you know, all of you who've taken uh, an opportunity or taken time to uh, listen to my prior episodes. I appreciate that. And, and some of you have um, given me feedback, and that, that really means a lot to me. So uh, please keep listening and, and giving me feedback if, if you have any. Uh, feel free to email me at uh, poetdelayed at gmail.com. You know, you can email me about the subject matter of the episodes or just anything else that's on your mind about, um, about what we're talking about. Um, I have a guest with me today. I'm excited about this. His name is Rick Diazavedo. He's a good friend of mine. He's a neighbor uh, of mine as well. I've got to know him over the last what, 10 years or so, yeah. 10 plus yeah. years. And so I have him here today, and I just want to introduce him a little bit. He's, uh, he is one of the King Cousins. Some of you probably are familiar with the King Sisters, a famous uh, vocal group back in, what, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s? Late 30s till the 70s. Okay. Grammy nominated during the 50s. and Yeah, they... Uh, my. I've seen clips of their Thanksgiving days, Thanksgiving specials, Christmas specials that they did on television. Well, we did probably 15 actual holiday specials, Groundhog Day. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, and then 60, 70 episodes every week on ABC, oh. we did a show too. So, Well, there you go. So, <laughs> King Sisters. And, and if you watch those, you can see Rick. I was watching one the other day, and there he was, um, playing the guitar and singing along with everybody. So... Um, in, in addition to that, uh, Rick, you, uh, you were in the military for a while as a, a vocal soloist. Yes, I uh, was getting close to being drafted. And the King family was still on TV and everything, and I didn't want to leave. But, uh, so I did an audition, and I became a member of the United States Army Field Band attached to the Pentagon. And we were like the official touring band for the entire United States Army. And on the last year... I, oh, I was doing a Simon and Garfunkel type mm. thing in there and being in the men's chorus, but I ended up on the last year being a vocal soloist with a 30-piece jazz band. If you remember the name Steve Gads, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, all the licks on that Paul Simon, he was our drummer. So it was a lot of great people. Oh, and so I, I think I saw an episode once, a clip of an episode where you came back on the show and your mom was singing like in the... Your mom was in the in the uh, like in the middle of singing a song, and you came on the episode and surprised her. And I remember just being amazed how she you could I could tell that she was really emotional. But the show must go on, and she kept singing. And that was "I'll Be Home for Christmas." It was the nineteen sixty seven uh, Christmas special we were doing, and I was in the army in basic training, getting ready to go back east. And they hid me at my uncle, who was directing and producing that episode at the house. And no one in the family except uh, Bill and his wife, Vani, who was one of the four King sisters. And I walked out at uh, NBC Studios in Burbank, right in the middle of her number. And she, would, she said, uh, my dad died when I was uh, five. But he went through World War II, and she saw me in the outfit with the shaved head and everything, and she was like, she thought she was seeing a ghost first. That's oh. what stunned her. But anyway, people to this day go, are you the one that surprised your mom, and I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And uh, personally, you, you're married to beautiful Anna. Yeah. And how many kids do you have? 
We have two children. Uh, one lives up here with us. Well, right now she's not, but uh, she's been living with us. And the other is down where we used to live in Southern California, Simi Valley. And and I've uh, that's Eric, and I've I've at, been to a couple Arcade Fire concerts with Eric, and I've uh, gotten to know him and seen him actually at the the Fourth uh, of July uh, parade here in Kaysville, Utah, a couple times. And uh, speaking of family and music, Arcade Fire, my my cousin Eliza Alvino Ray's daughter, her boys are this. Well, you know them better than I do. Well, I know the band. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, their music is. Uh, it's dear to my heart, I'll say that, and uh, it's really—I um, don't know—it's it's, been—it's been—it's been an important part of my life, more than just a casual listening uh, type music for me. Um, well, and the reason I, I wanted to have you on today is I, the poem I'm going to read today is—it's entitled "Emperor Concerto Two," and I wrote it. Um, well, let me read it, and I'll talk a little bit about it. But the reason I, I wanted to have you as a guest today is because. Um, music's been an important, uh, an important part of my life, and I think that it, it is an important part of a lot of people's lives. And so, because of your musical background, I just I wanted to talk to you about about you know have a conversation with you about this. And so, let me go ahead and read the poem, and then we'll kind of go from there. So again, it's called Emperor Concerto Two. Says it reads, the strings prepare me like a good opening act for the moment the piano comes in like a ballerina on point, delicately entering the stage. I'm speechless every time, in awe, reverent almost, as my body absorbs the sound waves, harnessed two centuries ago by a deaf man who arranged them into beauty, then converted them to ink and stained them on paper. And now I sit transfixed, as a modern-day acoustic alchemist transmutes the ink back into waves and floods me with euphoria. So I wrote this, so this song that I'm referring to, it's actually a Beethoven concerto. And I remember the first time I listened to it, I think I just said something like, hey Siri, um, play Beethoven. And this is the song that come up and, and it, it starts out with strings and then about a minute or so in, the piano comes in. And it, it comes in very delicately like I described in the poem like a ballerina on point. That was the image that initially just popped into my head. But when that piano came in, it did. It flooded me with emotion. Um, it's just, it, and, and I was just struck by how certain musical tones or notes, and I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very, uh, I don't know a lot of the musical terms, like note, melody. I'm not sure what all those, <laughs> melody, rhythm, I, I I, I know it when I hear it, but I don't know how to describe it. But when those, it just struck me how when that piano came in, just that sound just flooded me with emotion. Like, um, just, you know, made whatever problems I might have had just kind of consume them. It just made them like they weren't that, they weren't that much of a big deal. And I, I feel there's another concerto by Rachmaninoff, I think it's piano concerto number two, and the second movement of that one as well, I guess something about these second movements of concertos, but at the very end, it's the strings, and he's kind of playing the piano, and then he comes in with these really strong, like, uh, uh, again, I don't know the terminology, but he comes in at the very end with these really strong 
um, I guess bass notes or something. I don't know, but it every time I listen to it, that part of the song, I when I when I know it's coming, I stop what I'm doing and I sit and I just wait for it, and it just moves me every time. I love it. So I I love music, and and this this uh, poem was an attempt for me by me to capture what it does to me, um, and so you have spent your life in music. I think you mentioned to me earlier that that uh, the first uh, like you recorded a commercial when you were eight years old and so you you've been immersed I mean your mother was a, uh, a vocalist and beautiful uh, um, beautiful harmonies I do know that one harmonies <laughs> and um, just beautiful music and so I, I'm just I, I'm interested in your thoughts on music um, if you have any thoughts on the poem that's great too but I'm interested in your thoughts on you know music what it's played, how it's played a role in your life, how it's impacted you, and just, I mean, if you have any thoughts on, on uh, just music in general and the power of it. Well, first of all, um, I really did like the poem. Thank you. I've only heard or read like one of yours, and I have people ask me things sometimes, what do you think about my song, what do you think about my poem, and you go, wow, now that was a poem. And that's how you get out of saying you liked it or not. <laughs> that was awesome. I thought that was beautiful. And I thought of the lyrics and I thought of it being put into a song. Um, I have used music to calm me. Just like I picture a stream with fishing and quiet. You just take your mind. Um, certain, certain songs, I'm sure you've played them over and over, hit repeat. Mm -hmm. Even a phrase of a song that just gives you chills. It goes to a different part of your brain. Music does. And I, I'm sorry for people that, I've talked to people and I'll tell them about a song and I say, did you hear what they, I know this is lyrics now we're talking about, right, but right. it's in music and it's all, that's poetry. Right. And they don't listen to either the music that much or they don't hear the, the lyrics that much. And I'm always amazed that it's... Uh, Something that touches me so much and can relax me or make me uptight or can do anything, control my emotions that, that they're not aware of. And it's not that I'm better. I'm just different. And it is a part of my life. I was raised listening to my brother Lex play the piano. He's a professional piano you know, arranger, conductor, Grammy nominated. And, and so all my life, the piano was in the background. He was also the arranger for my mom and her sisters, the King sisters. Hmm. So I'm sitting home from school, going to bed at 10 o'clock, hearing concertos and things, and he's practicing, and if he makes a mistake, he repeats over it and over it, and then waking up at 8 in the morning before school, and he's up again doing it. Uh, everyone in my family, Alvino Ray, has is, is invented the steel guitar and is in the you know Guitar Hall of Fame. I learned to sing harmony in the backseat of our car, driving to, like, Vegas or Tahoe where my mother was performing she'd say you know cross over the bridge and she'd go do a third up cross over the bridge and we'd sit and I'm eight years old mm. in the back seat of a car with Lex in the front with no instruments just learning and that's just a dumb old song from the 40s or something but and so I can't imagine life without music we have a show called music and the spoken word and I say it should just be called music I, I agree. <laughs> That's not to take away, but, you know. No, but I... Any speaker is outdone by a beautiful song. 
Right. I think that, I mean, you add, you add music to anything, it, it, any, any lyrics. I mean, it, it just makes it deeper. You know, like, can you imagine watching a movie without a soundtrack? I mean, the soundtrack delivers a lot of the emotion that you want in that moment. Um, it's, it, it, like you said, it taps into that part of the brain. I don't, you know, I don't know much, well, I don't know any music theory, but I know that it taps into the brain. And, and to your point earlier, you, you know, when you talk about lyrics, I, you know, I love poetry and I love lyrics. I, I like to listen to the lyrics. I like to listen to a song that, that, um, I, I like to hear somebody who crafts, I guess poetic lyrics because there's lyrics out there that are not poetic. Yeah. There are lyrics out there that they just wrote because they've written this song and they need something to, you know, the lead singer doesn't play an instrument. needs to be, needs to do something. So he needs to be up there singing it. And, you know, going back to arcade fire, they had, they had a new album come out recently and uh, they have a song on there called unconditional, which is not related to the poem that I, I talked about when my aunt was on in an earlier episode, but, um, that song was that song. That song came into my life right at the right time. It's it's about being yourself and who you are, and it's okay to be who you are. You don't have to be like other people. You don't have to, you know. It's it's really an anthem for being an individual. And I I woke up one morning end of April, end of April. It was a particularly difficult day. You know I. I I think it was, uh, well, Shakespeare said, when sorrows come, they come not in single spies, but in battalions. I think that's in <laughs> Hamlet. But I, that day, all those, those spies were, I mean, they were just surrounding me. And I was having, you know, it's one of those days you wait, I woke up and I just started off in the, in a pit and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was really a hard day. And so I got on, I was looking on YouTube. I was trying to find some like inspirational video or something to watch just some thoughts and then I saw that I knew Arcade Fire was coming out with a new album and they had released a couple songs leading up to that to the release of the full album and then I saw that oh this new song Unconditional and I thought oh I'll just you know I'll listen to that and I started listening to it and I you know on Apple Music you can look at the lyrics as the music plays and as I was reading those you know listening to the music which is a very upbeat um positive um you know the the song the music is very upbeat and positive and then as i started reading the lyrics i just you know, I, I lost it i was there sitting sitting down and just started crying just um it's what i needed hmm. it 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 pulled me through that moment and for me that's so in that's such a i mean that that's to me kind of displays or, or explains the power of music in my life to where you it, it can pull you up from 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 being down low and it, i think it can do the same thing as well it can like there's some music that i listen to and i love it but it it pulls me down as well you know so and there's fluff that's meant to be fluff just to <laughs> yeah it's just fun it's benign yeah it's benign music um so and there's i'm just trying to think of like we talked about, I think before we started recording, we were talking about Neil Diamond. There's a Neil Diamond song that 
from his Hot August Night album yeah. from 1972, three. But anyhow, um, Canta Libre, have you, do you know that one? I'm not from memory. It's, it is, and he's singing in Spanish and I, I don't speak Spanish. I know what he's saying because it's not really complicated Spanish, but um, the music that goes along with that and I don't, I mean, he's singing in a different language, part of it. Some It's in English and Spanish, but um, that, again, that, that music has a different, like the Arcade Fire music pulled me out and made, like, I just felt like I got this, I'm positive. The Neil Diamond one, Canta Libre, um, I think it's on his Moods album, uh, his LP Moods. But that song also is... Um, the right word here it is also comforting to me but in a different sense arcade fire comforts me to wait i got this uh, neil diamond comforts me to be just it's almost like you're gonna be okay you're gonna mm -hmm. be okay so whereas one is like an anthem to get up and get going the other is hey you're gonna be all right so it's just interesting to me how you know these different types of music and, and i assume it it has, and just single notes, like I talked about Rachmaninoff earlier. That song, the Piano Concerto Number no. 2, and those, just those notes at the very end. I mean, I love the whole song, but those notes, I mean, even, I feel like if I just heard those... They say it all. Yeah, it, it strikes something in me. I don't know if there's... There must be some sort of a physical reaction as well as an emotional, like the way they hit your body or something. I don't know, but... It's been huge for me. Do you have any music like that? Do you? I mean, I got, you gave me a thumb drive once with, I don't know, a lot of music on it. Yeah. A couple, so, couple of thousand songs, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I have never really been into classical. I don't know why. I just think the way I was raised and my mom and the big bands and mm -hmm. it was just more show and it was pop and, it you know, from Sinatra to Ella Fitzgerald to the Beatles mm -hmm. to the Beach Boys to... Michael Bublé, things like that. But I have a song that people have asked me. I, I wanted to be a songwriter when I was a kid trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I think I'm really awful. And I always use this in this example. I said, hey, Rick, write a song about lonely people. Uh, I was walking down the street and I saw somebody by themselves and I go, that's just awful. That's just dreck. <laughs> you know, you'll never be a songwriter. And then I use this example to me. Now, to you or somebody else, it might fall flat. Eleanor Rigby wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? Father Mackenzie writing the words of a sermon that no one will hear. All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Genius. Yeah. The Beatles. Yeah. To me, genius. Now, yeah. to somebody else, go, that was the worst song I ever heard. That's what's also interesting. Is it genius? To me, it is. To the other person... I think it. <laughs> I, no, I think it's. I think it's genius as well. I always, uh, you know, I like the Beatles. I, I, yeah. I'm. I don't know. It seems like the world is. You know, you got an Elvis. Camp. And I've got twice your age. Yeah, well, you not do. twice, but seventy-five percent of it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I'm more of an Elvis guy than a Beatles guy. Yeah. But I always say that the Beatles to me are like like volleyball. Like I don't really go out and choose to listen to the Beatles a lot. And I don't really go out to choose to play volleyball a lot. But when I'm out there playing volleyball, I'm like, this is fun. And like when I'm listening to the Beatles, I'm like, 
this is good. But I think it was Leonard Bernstein who was asked one time who the greatest uh, composers were of the 20th century. I may be butchering the exact question, and his response was um, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Hmm. I mean, they, they're, yeah, when I listen to their music, it is, I mean, lyrically, like, you know, yeah. that is, those are profound lyrics. Those aren't just fluff lyrics. Like um, mine? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't want to say that, Rick, but... Uh... <laughs> that never turned into a song, but I was trying to give an example, but that's what I would come up with. Yeah, well, you know, and it's like some people think differently in writing music. Some, it's, it's just, you know, I think poetry and lyrics, metaphors. You get the metaphors down, similes, you, then you can, you can write. But yeah, I think that uh, listening to lyrics like that, like when you listen to them, it's moving. Um, and, you know, Elvis never wrote a song. You know, Elvis, uh, he arranged a lot of his music. Yeah. But he never actually sat down and wrote a song. Uh, in fact, I think he's only got one writing credit from his early days. I don't, I don't know why he got it. I don't remember what song it was. But speaking of Elvis, he did, you know, like a couple months before he died, he was in concert and he did uh, um, Unchained Melody. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that, his version of Unchained Melody? I'm sure live in concert? I have. I was not a big Elvis fan growing up, even though it's my time period. But uh, I've heard almost anything he's ever yeah. done. It, I mean, if... Like my kids, they've they've grown up on Elvis because I love Elvis. But this uh, Unchained Melody by Elvis, this was a couple months before he died, and it was live in concert. He's playing the piano, and it's it's you know it's the stage it's the stage of Elvis where he's really he's overweight. You know, is is he's still wearing his jumpsuit? Got I mean, that white jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah, that, that shouldn't jewels. be on him. It shouldn't. But you know the the bravado. You know that yeah. I'm gonna I'm Elvis. I'm gonna wear it anyway. But you know, I've watched the video on YouTube, and he's just sweating profusely, but his voice is just spot on, and the the emotion and the power that you know with which he delivers. I mean, that song is great anyhow. Yeah. But then with with his voice behind it. It, it it is, it's to me, very moving, very very moving. And uh, I've got I've got this playlist that I created called uh, Elvis Did It Better, and <laughs> you know because all he, he he recorded so many covers. So it's him doing, yeah, it's covers of yes. him other people's songs. So I will take somebody's song, the original, and I'll play that, and then the next song on the playlist is Elvis's version. And invariably, in my opinion, my humble opinion, Elvis did it better. Except when he gets to like the Beatles catalog, and when he's no, he's on par, on par at best. Um, but everybody else, yeah, he Elvis did it better. But um, that's enough, I guess, of Elvis right now. Um, but yeah, so you know, and, and I mentioned to you like you know, part of the, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is to kind of share this journey of mine to like getting to know myself and, and, and what I'm dealing with and struggling with in my life and in ways that have things that have worked for me, things that have um, helped me to, um, I guess to, to heal for lack of a better word, or maybe not heal, but at least to take a step forward and to, um, get to know who I am. And, and music for me has been that, I've uh, been a big part of that. 
Uh, it's almost like I know what songs I need at certain times. And, you know, if I, cause I can, if I want to be in a certain mood, I know that there's certain songs I can turn on and they're going to get me there eventually. Hence playlists. Hence playlists. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember, um, I remember when I, so I've been doing this for as long as I can remember. Uh, like I grew up listening to ABBA. So I guess people call, it, call them ABBA, but I always called them ABBA when I was a kid. And they had the song, Winter Takes It All. Do you know that song? I'm sure if I heard the melody. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, I'm 75, just, uh, you know, I'll trying to you, think of the, yeah, I'll, a 60s or a 70s title is rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, this song's a very just sad, depressing song. It's about somebody who lost out to the other uh, person. The winner takes it all. You know, I lost, you get... And I remember as a little kid just sitting and listening to that song. And I, I can still feel, when I listen to it now, I can still feel how I felt when I listened to that song. And, um, like, when I... You know, after my mom passed away when I was 10 years old, I went, th I mean, uh, years where I didn't cry. I mean, I I didn't, I cried for the first hour or so after I found out, but for years, but but I just, and after that, I, you know, I cried and then I just kind of shut it down and put on a mask, you know, Eleanor Rigby style. Um, and, but I, I wanted to cry. And so what I would do is I would, there was... <laughs> I'm sure there are other songs, but there was one song in particular I remember when I was maybe, uh, gosh, I had to have been uh, 12, 13, maybe 11, 12, 13. It was by uh, an artist by the name of Rockwell, and his big famous song was uh, Somebody's Watching Me. It was uh, kind of a spooky Halloween-ish. They always mm -hmm. played it like on Halloween playlists. But anyway, but he had another song called Knife. I don't know if the title was Knife Cuts Like a Knife or if it was just Knife. I don't know. But it's a very sad song. Um, and I remember I put that, and this was, an L, this was a vinyl, actually, a vinyl record that I would listen to. And I would listen to that song, and I'd take the needle, put it back, listen to it again. And I would sit there and try to try to like feel sad so that I could cry. I mean, even then, I'm, I, I knew the power of music, and I was trying to utilize that, and it never really worked. But, um, yeah, so I, I just, uh, it's been, a, it's been a tool in my life and, um, I just wonder, and I don't know, did, did you ever study music theory or anything like that? Or did you just start playing? I was given chances, and unlike my brother Lex, who's really a very accomplished master's in you know music and theory and a composer, I was lazy, and it was all by ear. And when you can play by ear, it if you're not disciplined enough to learn, you just do everything by ear. I mean, I struggle with the guitar and figure out the chords on my own without really reading sheet music. I read sheet music well enough to, you know, sing my part in choirs and things that I needed to. But I am, I am not schooled. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a very emotional thing with me. I mean, I've gone through things where music or a play I was in mm -hmm. changed my life from where I was as a younger person. Um, there are songs that I can't sing without tearing up, and so I won't, I, I can't sing them in front of somebody live. Uh, but I'm, I, I, 
I was never I was never schooled in it in any way. Like I said, I'm I'm a pretty bad sheet music reader. But then sheet music, the chords are awful, and so you want to change them anyway. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, you know, I've seen you play a number of times, and I've always been struck, and I've always enjoyed this about the way you handle because you have this very casual manner about which you go about it. Um, you know, you've I've seen you up to play musical numbers, and um, in particular, I'm thinking of like a talent show here, and you know, a church talent show where you'll get up to play a musical number, and you'll be talking to the audience, and you'll just be like picking your guitar and, and, and just as you're talking. And it's almost like there's not a time that I think your guitar is always going. And, and I love that. And, and then you would, uh, and you start in on your song. In fact, I was, I mentioned this to you earlier. I was, you know, as I was you know, getting ready for this, I, there's a song by the King sisters that I saw on YouTube years ago that I really liked. It was, a uh, moon, What was it? Moon. Moon glow. Oh. Yes. And love that song. Yes. And it's it, it. I just I was on I was on YouTube and I was just looking their stuff up a few years ago and I came across that it was just beautiful. I love the harmonies. I, I like all sorts of music. Uh, I mean, I think I like most types of music except maybe contemporary country. But hey, although I am going to see Garth Brooks this weekend. But if you pay, play country music backwards, it's happy, right? Oh, you yes. get your car back, you yep. get your wife back, you get your dog back, you get your job back. That's what I hear. Yeah. But yeah. forwards, it's like... It's, it should all end in the grave. <laughs> end in a grave. Every single one of Sorry them. for those we're offending. Yeah. No offense. I mean, there's plenty of people out there who don't like the music that I like. That's okay. It's all right. That's what, that's what makes <laughs> life exciting is we all have different, different interests and different music. Um, but I, but so anyway, I was looking for that song again, and then I, as I was looking for that song, I came across a video that Jen, your daughter, did um, on her YouTube channel, and it was you on the back porch here of your house, and uh, you were, she was talking, and the camera was on you, and you were just plucking away at your guitar. She was talking, and you were listening to her, and you would interject on occasion, and, and this, the purpose of the video was that that. Uh, uh, bit that you did um in oh with tina you know is that a, is tina a cousin yeah yeah and she's I, the one from my three sons katie douglas who married the son and they had triplets and she was on my three sons for like 10 years or oh, more i did tina cole that. i did not know that but i i i had never seen that bit before and and that was actually a lot of fun in fact um i was impressed with how she was able to hold her mannequin pose so well i mean the the bit was that you would move her like a doll kind of right like and and she would keep her arms moved and um you sing uh you're just too good, good to be, be true. true yeah that and then you and then you went into another song i love you well it's it's that it's that medley, medley. i love you baby yeah. and if it's quite all right yeah and it was so, the four seasons that, that uh -huh. put those two songs together originally and then didn't Frankie Valley sing it? Yeah, well, Four Seasons, or oh, Frankie see? by himself. Yeah, I did not know that. Wow. So, well, there you go. I was on the Ed Sullivan show, Standing with the Four Seasons. And uh, they went on first. But, I mean, I think back at the memories of people that I have been on stage with. And we were at the Ed Sullivan Theater in NBC. 
and here they are getting ready to go out and sing Sherry or one of their mm -hmm. big hits, and we're going to go on right after them. It just brought back a memory. And what year would that have been? Wow, 65, 66. Well, that was back in the days. Um, wow, be careful. Yeah, it comes and goes. I was 18. That was a long time ago. Yes. Right? I wasn't even born yet. I had nine years before. No wonder you don't know the King Family Show, right? I don't. I, yeah. All I... All I, 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 I know, I think everybody knows Lawrence Welk, but, uh, that's just because PBS got a, or, or I don't know who, Nick, Nick at Night or something got a hold of Lawrence Yeah, Welk they're still shows. playing all of those. We, we just never were able to get re, uh, re-randed, re-runned. <laughs> re-runned. Uh, but yeah, yeah, 65 to about 75 is when we taped shows and performed and things like that. Mm. Um, but that was, so did you two, speaking about that a little bit, because I, I am curious about it. So tell me a little bit about, of the background of that, because um, you, I think you mentioned something to me before that that, that little bit was a, um, you two would just goof around doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's Tina. I don't know how she would hold her body or how I, well, at 18, I guess I was strong enough. I could hold her like mid mid body and her legs and arms wouldn't bend. And uh, so just being bored during rehearsals, we lived together and traveled together for all those years. We would, I don't know, get kooky and make up things. And I would, I would just pick her up and I would walk around the stage where there were other people were singing and bend her arms and her legs. And if I bend a leg too much, she would fall and trust that I would know that she was going to fall. I mean, even if I turned my back or something, I'd have to turn around and grab her or she would have stayed in that position and gone right down on the stage. And her mom, Vonnie, who was the little small, cutesy one of the four King sisters who produced our shows when we first started, she said, why don't we put that in one of the episodes? So we were in Southern California at the Bullock's Fashion Square, which is a big, beautiful outdoor mall, for like an Easter special. And we put that in, and I was luckily... If I flew home <clears throat> from the Army in uniform and did the number in uniform and they mentioned the Army, they got a huge three-minute commercial for free. So I was allowed to leave occasionally and do these shows. Mm. So I'm in uniform, and we put her in a kiosk, a glass kiosk, like you would see a, a, a mannequin. Mm -hmm. And she looks like a mannequin until I open the door and she falls out and we start dancing and doing things. People thought, it, it was a mannequin. Anyway, it's another number, luckily, that I got to be part of that has stood out for years and years and years. Yeah, I thought it was pretty clever. And, and I think the most impressive part of the show, though, was, and I mentioned this to you at the very end when you were running away, you jumped over those little... Uh, Edges or what? <laughs> yeah, no, rope bars. Yeah. yeah, and I thought, boy. I said, if that camera was going and I went down with the budgets we had, they might have <laughs> kept it in. Well, then you'd even be more famous, probably. Yeah. You, know, you would have gone... 1965 I, viral. I am a legend in my own mind. Yes, you are, and, and you've. You, that's one of my favorite lines that I've, I've ever heard you say. Legend in your own mind. I, I wonder how many of us are legends in our own mind. I know I. I haven't got to legend status yet, <laughs> but I'm working on it. Um, well, I just I appreciate your coming and chatting with, or me coming to you, I guess, and chatting with you today, Rick. Um, it's, you know, I I just. Music to me is such a vital part of my life, and and I think 
kind of feel like sometimes it's more so than other people's lives. You know, I talk to some people who say they don't listen to, really listen to music, and, you know, that's okay. That's what how it does it for them. They find other ways. But for me, it has really been a way to... Um, it's been a way for me, I, I guess, sometimes to check out a reality, sometimes to... Um, to give me that boost that I need. It's, it's just... A, interesting to me how it will inspire and and it can you know get your your adrenaline running and 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 so forth and so it's a big part of my life and it's been a big part of who I am so I, I appreciate your allowing me to come and chat with you about it and uh well it's my pleasure yeah you've been a great friend and uh I think we have a lot of things in common and I know that music has has influenced me has changed me and like you said, I have playlists for, you know, you, you want this trip to end and you put on the fast stuff and, you know, satisfaction by the stones <laughs> or who knows. And But most, I'm quite, is the word maudlin? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm a very quiet lyrics, Joni Mitchell, mm -hmm. thoughtful things, if you can figure out what they're saying in their songs. You know, sometimes it's tough, but... I've always, I, and that's why I play that type of, mm -hmm. I'm sure you hear what I play. It's yeah. just quiet noodling and it soothes me. So obviously yeah. it, music does something to you. Yeah, it does. Well, here's to years to come friendship. I appreciate that. And yeah, me too. All right. And uh, again, I thank you all for listening. And um, you know, again, if you have anything you'd like to mention uh, or or in comments about the show, or about the podcast episode today or any others, feel free to email me at uh, poetdelayed at gmail.com. Thank you.